Welcome to At The Whiteboard. I'm Nicole North and I'm your host. This season on At The Whiteboard, we're focusing on everything leadership, learning, and development. We have a ton of great guests ready to share their knowledge. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hello, and welcome to At The Whiteboard. I am your host, Nicole North, and I am joined for the second time on the At The Whiteboard podcast by Meredith Grindai. Hello, Hello Nicole. <laughs> I'm waving to you. I'm waving back. Nobody can see our waves on the podcast. They can't, but, but they can feel are, them. We are waving frantically, <laughs> like we're on a boat that's sinking. Help. <laughs> Help. 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 <laughs> we're trapped in a Zoom square. <laughs> I'm so excited to chat with Meredith today because Meredith brings such joy and smile. I wish you could see her while we are on this podcast because she brings so much joy and energy. I love talking to her about absolutely anything. We didn't have anything planned, but we have something planned now. We have we're improvising. We're improvising and we're running with it because Meredith know, knows that improv brings me joy. So first, let's talk a little bit about uh, Meredith. I want to tell you a little bit about Meredith, some things that I didn't even know myself. She is an award-winning theater director, producer, and former Second City improv teacher. And she understood that there was a similarity and a connection between performing for audiences on stage every night and the idea of presenting to clients and colleagues every day, but that the latter, those business folks, didn't have those tools to bring their stories to life and present confidently and with authenticity. So Meredith specializes in presentation and public speaking consultation, individual training and development, and creative team solutions that use improv theater techniques to help organizations build trust, empathy, and out-of-the-box thinking. So welcome, Meredith. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm so excited to have another conversation with you. <laughs> so we started just um, toying around and, and playing. And I, I mentioned how much I loved Meredith's energy. And if you find her on social media or on TikTok, she is so authentically herself. And it is, it's captivating. Well, thank you. You're very sweet. <laughs> how do, how do you get that? Is it, is it confidence? Is it being okay with, with you and just saying, fuck it. <laughs> just say well, fuck it on the podcast. I love that you Today, said fuck it. I do. <laughs> I really do. Which, which will, that's a lovely bridge into this quote that I may get correct. And I may get a, a slightly incorrect, but Martha Graham, who was a beautiful Renaissance powerful dancer in the modern dance world has a quote, which is what other people think of you in this world is none of your business. And so that quote I love and think about often when I'm in front of a camera, if I'm talking to an audience, it's that piece of Everyone's going to have an opinion about me, and that is okay. It's because, honestly, 
if I dwell on if people are going to like me or not, then I'm actually not serving the higher purpose. Drop your mic down right now. Just drop that, drop that thing right on the floor. That is a (laughs) mic drop moment. Just, it doesn't serve it. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm worried about what other people are thinking about me. Then I am not serving them. Yeah. And I wish, I wish, wish that somebody had said that to me when I was a young actor. I wish somebody had said, stop making it about you. It is not about your ego. It is about how you're serving your audience. It's about how you're serving the story. And no, not everyone's going to like you. People are not going to like you. It's so hard to eat that though. It really is. I'm very likable. You're very likable. Everyone has to like us. But there's someone out there. I'm sure there's numerous people out there that are they're like, who is this chick? Oh my God, her voice or uh, the way she gestures or she walks like my ex-wife or like there's, there's so many reasons we all hold these different stories and traumas and, and so forth that it's impossible for everyone to like you. So just if you own that, then everything else is freaking easy. That's so true. That's so true. And so as you know, I'm thinking of, of young people entering the workforce. I'm thinking of managers and, and that kind of new generation of managers coming into the workforce and having to present to their teams, present to their leaders, present uh, content and information. What are some uh, tactical tips to, to help Cause it, it's easy to say like, don't worry about them. Worry about you. Don't worry if they don't like you worry about your content, but sometimes those feelings become overwhelming. How do we, oh, they're how t- do we learn? How do we learn to pull, pull it away? Well, first of all, I feel that that goes, it's, it's a practical thing, it, which is be prepared. Like you still show up professionally. You still show up really prepared and practiced and you know what your why is, you know what your purpose is, then everything else should fall into place. And if you've done that work and someone still doesn't like what you're doing, that's not on you. Now, if you show up and you're not prepared and you didn't practice and you're like, well, I don't care what people think of me, that's a totally different mindset. And that's, that's not the piece I'm talking into. Like, wouldn't it be great if we could all just show up in our underwear and stoned, but we're not going to do that. Right. (laughs) Like, so it's, it's, um, it's a level of preparedness, which I feel is what really helps us in our confidence. And when we're confident, people are more attracted to us, right? It's like, we're opening that heart centered space that sometimes we close off because of insecurities or this reason or that reason, or that imposter syndrome that comes up often. Um, so if you've done the work and people still don't like you, at least, you know, you've still done the work. Fascinating. Cause I also wonder in those times where you didn't have time to do the work or which is crunched or something happened, which is also often, if you can tap into that piece of like, what, what do I add value in here? What can I do with what I have? What's, what am I good at? And if you like 
squeak into that, you can probably make a go of it. I was thinking last week, I just started with a new client and I'm teaching them uh, retail retail customer service. And I, I don't know, the last time I was in retail customer service, it may have been 1999. I don't know. Um, so I felt really out of place and I, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare. And I was like, what am I going to study? Like the, the retail data from, you know, from what's happening in the last year, like this doesn't make sense. And I finally just went, what am I good at? I'm getting, I'm good at getting people to learn. And I just tapped into that and started asking questions and it went just fine. Even with my lack of kind of knowledge, or it's not like I sit there and poured over every single slide and what to say. I just tapped into what I did know about myself and what my purpose was. And it worked. I, lo- I love that. Can I, can I, can we talk about that a little bit? And can I take it one step back? Yes. Which is the reason why you were able to get to that place of just sitting there going, well, instead of me trying to pull something out of thin air or make sense of this because I haven't done retail for so long, you had a level of self-awareness, which is you knew where your strengths were and where your weaknesses were or your limit. Let's not call them weaknesses. Let's just say limitations. Right. And so from there you were able to go, well, what are my strengths? What are my talents? And so that's what you then chose to do. Oftentimes we don't give ourselves the space or we're not self-aware to where we actually understand what it is that we need to be doing to benefit the situation that we're in. So I just invite people, your listeners to make that list of what are all the things you're really great at and write the list of what your limitations are and get clear about that. And so that when opportunity arises, you can look at that with a level of self-awareness and be able to act from that place. But if you're not clear, then it's going to be more difficult to act from that place. So I just want to say, I think that's super, that's so cool. <laughs> and I feel like people need to, we get so compartmentalized, I feel in our professional lives, like you know, Nicole is the leadership coach and Meredith is the public speaking coach and Joe is the accountant, you know, and we show up to work. And yet, if you started to actually have conversations with people and ask them what they're passionate about besides their day-to-day work, most of us have multiple passions. And wouldn't it be cool if we could lean into all of those beautiful things, those talents that make us uniquely us and use those as assets in everything we do from parenting to dating, to marriage, to work, to caretake, all those things. That's a really, a really interesting notion. And we talk about this all the time, but I don't think anyone ever really sits with it, right? How do you it's not your weaknesses. They're there and they're not an excuse for not preparing or not doing good work, right? Like if you have to present to a team of accountants and they like their data and their figures just so well, memorize those numbers, right? That it, it is your responsibility to do so, to serve your client. Um, and what can you add in that's uniquely you that, that makes you shine. Right. And, and when you lean into that, 
strength, when you lean into what you know you're good at, you can be confident and relaxed. I think it's, is now tell me when you see people getting extremely nervous or fumbling a presentation or totally bombing a presentation, what is typically the root cause of that? You're a failure. That's not leaning into your strengths. That's leaning Mm -hmm. into your weakness. Mm -hmm. Fear of what other people think of them. That's not what that lady told us. She told us that's none of our business. What was her name? Martha Graham. Martha Graham. (laughs) So I feel like, so if we're aware of, did I answer your question? I did answer it. Do you want me to expand on that more? But I really do. I feel like ultimately it's just this, our block is feel a fear of failure. We get into our heads and we stop, we stop being present. I think of, uh, when I used to, uh, present with other facilitators, um, I would lose my, my, my mojo. Like I would lose my steam or I wouldn't trust myself. I'd look at the slide and be like, I don't know how to talk about that. And I'd be like, over to you passing this slide over to you. And it's so fascinating because when I started facilitating by myself, I always just figured it out. or skip the slide, one of the two, but you know, like it wasn't such a big deal. Like it just happened. Uh, so I think that's really interesting. This idea of our fears and our, our worry about all those things can really decimate, uh, a, a product or an interaction. It seems so sad when you reflect on it that way. Yeah, a hundred percent. I feel there's things we can do for ourselves. So I'm just going to go back to that question you asked about like, well, what if we have something last minute and we can't prepare for it? Right. But those, so that let's just say that being an improviser or being flexible or being able to pick something up in the moment is not your strong suit. So you know, that's a limitation, right? So then you can take, you can build that muscle. You can say consciously, I know this is a limitation of mine, so I'm going to seek help. I'm going to get a coach. I'm going to figure it out. What are some things I can put in place that is going to help me show up better and more confidently in these situations? So one thing might be you get really good at the opening. Like It doesn't matter what the presentation is as long as you get really good at how to open it up and get the audience engaged from the beginning. What's the open-ended question you're going to ask or what is the... Uh, fact that you're going to share with them or this day in history uh, fact that you're going to share with them or whatever it is, or the question that you want them to answer that you, as long as you get them engaged, right? That might be your new thing, or it might be, I'm going to be really good at closing, or I'm going to be really good at giving a 10 minute presentation with limited slides. Like you can pick one, pick one thing. Like it doesn't, I feel like sometimes we overthink these things and really, if you just got really good at one element of the big picture, that could be like your starting point or the thing you lean into. Yeah. And probably gives you the confidence to then go, oh, I nailed that opening. This middle, I got you middle. 
I got right. you. I got you, Mill. Right. And I, I and then you. if I just tie the end into the beginning, we're gold. We're home. Yeah. It's so easy. So yeah. easy. It's so easy. easy. And it's also, easy. we all have multiple stories. Like I always encourage people when I was an actor, you would always have multiple monologues because you never knew who was going to ask you for what. You know, you had your your dramatic, you had your classical, you had your contemporary, you had a slew of monologues to choose from. I would say if you are somebody that's presenting on a regular basis, you should have your list of stories, your list of metaphors, your list of go-tos that are going to tie into almost anything that you share. You're going to figure it out. I love that. I love that so much. And I'm, I'm thinking now I had a thought in my head. Have I lost it? It was percolating as you were talking. Per- I love it. It was percolating. Um, like a great cup of coffee. I could probably <laughs> use one of those right now. Um, well, like I think of sometimes when I get uh, nervous or one of the first things I do is humor to build rapport. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Get laughing, get people relaxed, throw a few self-deprecating jokes in there. Yeah. A hundred percent. No one thinks I'm too pompous and then, you know, launch into it. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Good. Yes. Uh, this notion of speaking to all members of an audience, and that's something, uh, as someone, you know, I facilitate every day, I'm presenting every day all the time. And I try to think as I compose every single presentation is, what is this slide doing? Who is it serving? And there's going to be people who want data, facts, figures, um, specifics, examples, tested, tested and true behaviors. And that's not what I care about, but others care about it. So I know I need to include it. And then I can talk about the big picture and the, this and the, that. And so that idea of trying to appeal to all members of your audience, um, I think it's probably something you talk about all the time. I usually do it from a personality standpoint. So how do I get extroverts and introverts involved? How do I get detail thinkers versus big picture thinkers involved? How do I get people, people involved versus uh, logic people involved? And then how do I get to the point, uh, but also create a methodical approach? How do you do that interpretation of audience to help people make sure that their presentations are landing and hitting the mark. I always like to say to people, it's like you're creating a composition. It's like you, it's, it's like the musicality of it. Um, that sometimes resonates with people, especially if they love music or more on the creative spectrum of things. And so that's an analogy that I like to use. And then I would say, you know, the audience engagement, I feel is before anything, the most important and that the story is most important. And so how you structure that story is going to really cater to the whole audience and their different learning styles. And then the slides, I feel those images, I would say to me, this is my personal opinion, should be the last thought to the presentation. It shouldn't be, you've got the slide deck and then you build the presentation. It should be, you build the presentation and then you see what slides need to support or can support that, that, um, presentation. Now I know for people who are more, 
in the science fields, like in medical or research, I get that you're often handed a deck and that you need to come up with a presentation. That's a, but you still need to figure out what is the story and the data that you're presenting so that you can best educate your audience. But I always encourage people that if you can figure out ways to engage your audience as much as possible throughout your presentation, and if you can find a story that is going to emotionally connect with your audience, you're golden. If the lights went out and the tech went out and it was just you and your voice, they'd still get a really great presentation. That's probably also a huge fear for people. Tech failure. Oh, and it happens all the time. And and people, I've done it. Like when stuff's not working the way you had planned it, you're, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I'm so sorry. Just can you give me a minute? I'm just trying to get my, my camera's not working. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, have, you been, have you been interacting with a lot of Canadians? That sounds I have. really. <laughs> it does. It sounds really Canadian. So I would just, it's like the other day, my tech wasn't working. I was trying to get a song on that I had planned for this presentation. And I just said, you know what? We're all just going to dance without it. And we did it. <laughs> just dance. I, but I, and I made the decision on, on the spot. I said, I just wanted everyone to move a little bit. And so I just started moving and I said, just pr- do what I do. And so that's what we did. Rather, rather Yeah. We're, we're dancing rather than d- just what, you, what can you do to, fl- and I, I mean, that's why I do improv at the beginning of all of my classes, because I want people to get confident being able to be adaptable. Yes. Yeah. That's a huge stuff one. happens. I, I- Absolutely. I remember facilitating the first few times and that was the biggest panic. It's like, will the projector work? Will they have the right adapter for my stupid MacBook? Will that, that adapter work properly to get the projection on? And then will everyone constantly blame me for having a Mac? And that's why that would just be such a fear. And I feel like now that would not be even an issue for me. So does that part of that tech failure come with just experience? Like now I just feel like, I'm going to pull up the slides on my phone and I'm going to tell you about that. Yeah, I think it comes with experience, but I, but from your failures, you figured out what to do differently next time. So for people who are listening, I would say you think about what is your plan B and what's your plan C? If plan A doesn't happen, then do you have you given everyone a digital uh, link to your presentation that they can pull up on their phones? Or, right? Or if it's compliant and you can't give out a digital link to it, have copies been made so that if something goes, if that presentation goes out, you have a copy of what that presentation is directly in front of you. So what is your plan B? So many people don't do that. They just do the plan A. And then the other thing I want to say about plan A is you better have a rehearsal. A lot of people don't practice the tech piece of it before the presentation. You can get on your own Zoom call if you want, or you can invite somebody to just get one person on your Zoom call just so you can go through the steps or hire and outsource a company that only does tech for your restream or your stream yard or your Zoom call or any webinar that you have. I feel it's so worth the money to hire somebody at 60 bucks an hour than for you to sit there sweating because you uh, 
don't know how to use the tech or something goes wrong during your presentation. Because again, it's not about the tech. It's about the story. And it's about the edu- It's You are there to inspire and educate your audience. That is great advice. If you are presenting to a very large group yes, um, and it is for longer than a certain period of time, if you are using a uh, hosting service that perhaps you're not familiar with, like a client asked me for WebEx and I said, absolutely, but we will need a producer. Like I will not facilitate there because the stress of not being able to do something or someone's tech not working and not knowing how to, to fix it. And producers are really inexpensive. Really not that. Yeah. Really, Mm -hmm. really valuable for even for an hour to have someone be like, I'm just going to sit on your zoom call. And if people need tech help or they can't do something, they can just direct message you that way you can keep performing. There's nothing worse than watching someone when they've lost their mojo, right? Like when someone's like, I have no audio and they're like, uh, okay. Um, uh, and you just get that awful minute where they're trying to figure out how to stay on track, how to deal with this person's audio, how to keep everyone engaged. Well, how not to yeah. And there's nothing space. worse. It's nothing worse than like getting hired by somebody <laughs> to present. And then they're helping you when things go awry, awry and you're like, wait a minute, but you paid me. I'm supposed to be the expert and everything. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so it can, awful. it's a, it just, it can be awful anyway. So I, I feel like there's so many, I could talk about this forever. Cause I feel like there's so many different things that get in our way. So many that about limiting beliefs or that imposter syndrome or the, the ideas that I, I made these little affirmation cards for people who are uh, public speakers or, or who present often and want to get better at public speaking just to um, put next to their bedside, right. Or somewhere where they would read them all the time that just say things like you've got this, or you're a badass, or, um, <laughs> there, there are a lot, there's a lot that, um, I can't remember all of them right now. Isn't that awful? You should edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's because everyone is going to go scrambling to, they are, they're a lot so deeper they than your- the two examples. <laughs> You've got this. She just read that off of my background. I did. I read that. <laughs> You're a badass and you've got that. That's all they say. It's just two cards. Just two cards. That's it's it. just two cards. <laughs> is that what you're saying though? Because a lot of it is really mental. Um, I know something that I struggle with is if I have someone in my ear who's shaking my confidence. So whether it's a boss that's been incredibly critical about the slides up until now, or made an incredible amount of changes or, you know, put a lot of pressure on me and said, you know, this has to work. You have to sell this program. Da, 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 da. Um, that can sometimes shake con like, I think I naturally just kind of can do things, but I'm often really affected by the things that other people say, or that even if it's trying to help, but being nitpicky, um, can frazzle me. Yeah. I, I think that's a tough one. It depends on what your relationship is too with leadership, but I feel that if you can say, 
very clearly to somebody how you like to receive feedback, I feel that's going to really benefit you. And I actually did a TikTok about this the other day, which is you can say to somebody, this is what I need from you. Share with me what's working. What is working? Let's just start there. And then, then share with me where you're curious, not what I'm doing wrong, not what you, but where are you curious? And let's just start there. Those two things. That's wonderful. Right. And then I feel like even taking it a step further, which is, and please ask me if I want feedback first. Because I may not be in a place right now with the process. This might be a big old mess that you see in front of you because I'm still in process. I'm not done. So ask me if I want feedback because if I'm not ready for it, I need to be able to say I'm not ready for it yet. But yes, eventually I will need it and I'll come to you when I do. Yes. My model is always ask for permission. Mm -hmm. Uh, Describe the situation. Describe the behavior you saw. And then what was the impact? Yes. So you can't just say, Nicole, you were touching your hair or like fixing your hair a lot on camera. Right. Um, Right. Tell me the impact of that. So Nicole, I noticed you uh, touching your hair and fixing your hair a lot on camera and it distracted from your amazing message. So that now becomes constructive feedback versus just critical feedback. Because the first thing I would say is if you just said, stop playing with your hair, you played with your hair a lot. I'd say, so what? I was basically giving a presentation on astrophysics and it was brilliant. Who cares about my hair? So it's that, that impact piece that turns it from something that you can become defensive about to something that's, that's crucial. Yeah. It's that, it's just that little extra detail that makes all the difference in the world. People need to know why. Yes. Right. We need, we, we need the step-by-step. We just do. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you can also just take that. Um, you're a badass affirmation card and show so one your manager's face. And it, yeah, I am cards. a badass. Yeah, yeah. I am a badass. I have these, I have these cards from my coach. You see it <laughs> all two of them, slam it, all two of them. And you just put it in their face and say, so you're wrong. Your feedback about my presentation is wrong because According to this card, I am a badass and I am a confident speaker. So So there, Mr. Mrs. Whatever. (laughs) Um, I have another question. Yes. And that is, what are you seeing as people are transitioning from a remote remote workforce back to an in-person workforce? What's happening with people's uh, confidence and presentation skills. Oh my goodness. I've only, okay. I have a couple clients right now that are in this situation where they're being asked to be in the office and they're not happy. They're not happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for multiple reasons, because it's stressful. They're actually getting less work done than they were getting before. They're commuting. So it's that time 
where they were working and fresh, you know, in the morning, they're now in a car. Like and I feel like, like it's super surly by the time you get to the office. Mm-hmm. And I, I woke feel, up happy, but now I'm a wench. So I feel that's feeding into people's, um, their mindset. Oh, brilliant. I, I, and so I, I'm, I mean, this is, this is me being speculative and totally generalizing what I feel people's experiences are that I've only have like a, a few people that have talked to me about it, who now are going back to the office, but it's, it's having an impact. I feel too on people because they've been showing up in these little zoom boxes for two years and now they're doing things in person and the way we read each other in person versus in these zoom boxes is a very different experience because now we're picking up on these subtle nuances, our gestures, our physicality, our, our, I would say kinesthetic energy that happens when two bodies or three bodies are in a room with each other, uh, our subtle facial expressions that don't really get picked up on camera in the same way in the zoom world. So I feel it's a different, it's a transition point for a lot of people. That's hard. It's not easy. It's not even easy for me. It's overwhelming. It's like, wow, this is a lot of information at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It can be energizing, but also draining in a new way in the same way that zoom was super draining when we first started doing it every single day. Yeah. I feel that what I would invite people to do right now is to have some grace for themselves and some compassion for themselves and that no one is alone in this and that we're all the weight of the world and what's happening in the world is real. Uh, The weight of this pandemic is real. I feel cracks are being exposed. We're seeing that in mental health. We're seeing that. uh, So I just say to people, like, give yourself a break. Yeah. And just do what you can. I have one other question now about people returning to the office. What about presenting to remote teams? Uh, Sorry, uh, hybrid teams, right? So you're, you might be in person and there might be some other people in person and some people remote. Are there any best practices? Um, Oh, um, that's a tough one. I would say best practices for that is practice, like practice how you're going to best deliver and how that's going to be set up. So that's working again with your tech people. Um, if you're, if you have the budget to be able to hire people who actually have been setting up those environments so for, for your success, then do so. Um, it's about being able to look the camera in these, the camera is your friend. That is a person. It's not just a camera. So if you can treat that camera, like another person in the room, then I feel you're going to be successful. So right now I look into the camera. I am not talking to 20 people on the other end. I'm talking to one person, right? And this is true for zoom calls and presentations anyway, 
but really be clear that that's one person here. So I'm going to have to address them every once in a while, but I'm going to open up my body over here because this is the live audience that I'm in front of. And so it's really about spatial awareness and where you're physically putting yourself in time and space in relationship to both of your audiences and noticing how you're giving your time in those spaces to both audiences, right? So it'd be very similar to like, if you're standing on stage and you're standing on stage, right? At some point, you're going to walk, want to walk to stage left because you want your audience over that you're looking at on stage left to feel like they get the same amount of you as the audience on your stage right. So similar, just a little different. Yeah, well, that's, those are really, really good tips because I've gotten, you know, when I'm presenting to like a bunch of Zoom boxes, I stare at the camera the mm-hmm. whole time. I've just become accustomed to doing that. I barely even look for other feedback from other people, right? Like unless I'm super, super comfortable with you. And then I might just be like, oh, I'm going to look at my camera because Meredith's so pretty. Um, (laughs) So pretty. Um, And so you might do that. But um, that equity is something that we're hearing in general uh, leadership, right? How are we coming in to hybrid situations and giving equal footing to those that are participating remotely versus in person, right? You hear examples all the time of like uh, people that are uh, in person are saying, okay, well, we're going to go take a coffee break. We're all going to go to the coffee shop. And when we get back, we'll start the meeting, right? And you already start to see that polarizing behavior. And that's going to exacerbate all that stress and fear and other things. So really creating uh, safe places for people, however they're participating in the presentation. And as oh, the so important presenter, it behooves you to appeal to all those audience and audiences and be equitable with all those audiences. Well, it's just like what you were saying earlier, like how do you cater to all the different learners? How do you cater to that? And when you have people who are virtual, that they're, they're different learners and the people that you have that are live, they're going to see and hear things different differently than those people that you have who are live, who are going to see and hear things differently. So you, you do, it's, it's a, it's a dance, but it's possible and you can be an effective speaker if you want to be. Some people are like, well, this is another presentation. I'm just going to do it the same way that I saw Joe do it. (laughs) Yeah. Joe read his slides. So I'm going to read my slides. Now I'm going to read my slides and I'm going to stay in this tone the whole entire time. And I'm going to talk through my data points and I'm going to put you to sleep because you're not following anything that I'm saying. And I don't even know where I'm on the the chart, but I know the data really well because I've been doing this for 30 years. You're like, I don't know. It's, um, yeah. I love it. I I think that, that those are some great tips as we kind of manage, um, being authentic and real. And I think what's your, What's your on the fly, your Meredith's top tip as we close out our session? What's your one tip that you're going to send the at the whiteboard listeners away with as they move into presenting in a new world of maybe in person, maybe hybrid, maybe they're staying remote. I, I put you on the spot with a big one. One big. No, tip. I love it. Now okay. I'm, here's I'm my tip, which here is space. I love, no, this is my tip. Are you ready? Drum roll. My right. tip brr, is. Brr. Put yourself in the shoes of the audience member and ask yourself, would I enjoy this presentation? Would I enjoy this experience? And if the answer is no, 
then go back and figure out how you can make that an enjoyable presentation experience for your audience. That's, that's my advice. It's an experience. Here's the thing too. It's an experience. It's not just a presentation. You're not just any ever giving a presentation. You're offering an experience because the purpose of any presentation is to inspire and educate. And if you are not giving a great presentation, you are not doing those two things. You have not done your job. And then therefore you're probably going to have to go back and either do it again or have another meeting about it or go so forth and so on. So don't waste your time and don't waste their time. That's what I say. Okay. That was more than one tip. Like it though. I like it though. <laughs> lean into yourself, lean into your strengths, lean into the shoes of all the participants in your meeting, um, create and deliver presentations that inspire and educate. Um, thank you, Meredith, for the most fun, uh, most fun afternoon chatting about things that we love. Yes. I love it. I, thank I you. So oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. We look forward to having you back again soon. I love it. I love it. I cannot wait. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Talk soon. You're welcome. Bye. Thanks for joining us at At The Whiteboard. We've had an amazing time with you here today. If you wanna keep up to date with everything that At The Whiteboard podcast is doing, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Whiteboard Consult or on our website at www.whiteboardconsulting.ca. Talk soon. <laughs>